أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال قائل منهم لا تقتلوا يوسف وألقوه في غيابة الجب يلتقطه بعض السيارة إن كنتم فاعلين صدق الله العظيم We had discussed two very very important aspects. So just to complete that, one was the aspect of the Su'uzan, Badgumani, harboring suspicions, jumping to conclusions. The other was the aspect of Hasad. So on this note of Su'uzan, one incident, just to highlight to what extent the Mashaykh would emphasize the lesson and how sometimes this became apparent that what seems to be the situation, how far off the mark it is. So there was one sheikh who used to keep emphasizing upon his murids that look, never ever harbor any suspicion, any badgumani, this is something very very serious, don't ever get into this. He used to emphasize this very much. Every now and again, this is a lesson. Keeps repeating that lesson. So in any case, this was an ongoing thing. So one day, he happened to be going somewhere and several of his murids were with him. Others also, many of them were going along. So they happened to be walking along the shore and going somewhere, wherever it was. They are walking along the shore. As they are walking along the shore, in the distance, suddenly they can see that there is, in that one glance, everybody noticed there is some woman sitting there. She is not dressed very well. And there is some young person, he has got his head in her lap. There is a bottle, which is a bottle of, well, the bottle is a bottle of wine or the bottle that contains wine, alcohol generally, that's right there in front of her. So now as soon as this scene was noticed, so now these Muris started looking at one another and sort of in those indications, because the eyes sometimes speak more than what the tongue can speak. So in just some glance at each other, in some indications of the eyes, they so to say communicated that same thing that's going in each other's heart, that here there's something we can all see for ourselves what's going on here. But again, the Sheikh will come back with the same lesson and he'll come back with the same story that look, mustn't make badgumani on anyone, mustn't harbor this ill thoughts without knowing for sure what's going on and verifying and checking first. You mustn't jump to conclusions. So now each one or some of them, some of them are looking at one another and sort of saying, well, it'll come again now. Same thing, same lesson will come again. So in a way that as if that, now this is overdoing it, in that sense. That now something is glaring in front of you, and now you must still have some other thought about it, still make some positive interpretation of it. So in any case, the sheikh also witnessed this, he noticed what's going on, but he kept quiet, he didn't say anything. As they were carrying on walking along now, now they're going to be passing this space where, on the side now, this woman is sitting there, so as they carried on walking out, she shouted out at them. She called out to them, that please I'm in need of help. What's the problem? 
He says, well, we were on a boat and that boat capsized. And with much difficulty, we managed to make it to the shore. This is my son and whatever has happened, he's in this very, very serious or very high fever. He's running a very high fever. I couldn't even find anything to give him water. I found this one bottle lying around. I washed it and put some water in it to come and give him. But now we are desperate. We are standard here. Now, the whole scene seemed to be something totally illicit, something that this is a clear-cut situation of somebody involved in some wrong. But the reality turned out to be totally the opposite. The reality turned out to be somebody in a desperate situation, somebody who was shipwrecked, so to say, and now they are down and out, and out of desperation, this bottle which was lying somewhere had to be used, cleaned, and used to just merely give water. So this is sometimes how apparently clear-cut something might be in terms of the negative side of things, but how far from the reality it could be. So the simple thing is not to jump to conclusions and to always first put this, put ourselves to this question, put ourselves to this situation that I am on the day of Qiyamat now and I am being asked about what I harbored in my heart in terms of the conclusion I jumped to. That you made this conclusion and this decision, this you harbored or you took this as fact in your heart about a certain thing you saw, a certain thing you heard, that negative thought that you now made it fact in your heart. Where's the proof for it? So I'm being asked, the day of Qiyamat already has come, and I'm being asked for the evidence. Can I provide any evidence? Can I give any kind of substantiation that this was the reason why I harbored this? So if I cannot then I have no basis to take a negative interpretation of this or harbor any ill feeling about it. Yes, if something is not looking right, without making any conclusions about it, we be safe. We don't get into a situation either. It is not that if a person is not sure of something, he must still regard everything as fine and get into the bits of everything. No, if something is not looking right, then be safe. But without passing judgment about what could be the situation. We have no, rea- no idea what the reality is. The reality might be something else. But yes, the other aspect that we already mentioned, very, very important, that this aspect about judgment, this judgment is about what is somebody's intention, what is his heart, what is going to be his end result. We can't pass judgment on that. What is somebody's intention? What is somebody's end result? What do we know? We don't know our own end result. How are we going to know anybody else's end result? You can never pass judgment on this. But some wrong action, the wrong action is wrong. Then this is a misconception that no, you mustn't pass judgment on somebody. That somebody is doing something wrong, don't say he's, you don't know what's, if something is wrong, is wrong. Allah Ta'ala has already passed judgment on that. Allah Ta'ala has passed judgment, gambling is haram. If somebody is gambling, can't say don't pass judgment on him. You see, he's doing something wrong. If somebody is taking some intoxicant, he's doing something wrong. That judgment Allah has passed. So, that is something else. Sometimes that is used in a different way to try and justify something that's wrong. That you don't know what was the intention behind it. Whatever the intention can be, the wrong action is wrong action. The good intention doesn't make something wrong right. A person is stealing. He's stealing, but he has a very noble intention. You see, all these people are starving, and these people have the 
means, but they don't want to give these starving people. So I'm going to steal from these people and give these people. So what a wonderful intention. And he's not keeping one cent for himself. And when he finally gets arrested, if he gets arrested, so he will come to court, and then when he will explain his beautiful intention, so everybody will be very, very uh, thrilled about it. All will be so happy, mashallah, what a wonderful intention. And they all will say, no, you can't charge this person. You should actually reward him and send him. That won't happen anyway in the world. They will tell him all your good intentions very well, but your wrong action, this is something won't be, uh, something that will become justified because of your good intention. Your wrong, wrong action is wrong. So that was one aspect. The other aspect was the aspect of hasad that we discussed. That what a severe sin this is, and did mention about the fact that this is something to keep working on, keep checking the heart. But the issue is what was the remedy and how does a person clear his heart out of this hasad? Because this is a very serious sin. As we mentioned that one of the three sins which are regarded as the roots of all sin. So the issue about cleaning the heart out of this hasad, the treatment of this is number one, to sincerely make dua for the person who we feel some kind of jealousy towards. If some jealousy has kept in the heart, shaitan has whispered something in the heart, a person is finding some... And these are things, you see, shaitan very, very subtly whispers something a person before he knows it, already his heart is contaminated with something. So we should never regard ourselves as immune to start off with, and don't ever regard ourselves as this something not in me, keep checking. We are not immune and we sometimes don't know when it came also. So we have to keep checking and if the slightest bit of something is detected, we have to make that effort to clean it out. So the one very, very effective means of cleaning it out is sincere dua. Dua for the person taking his name towards whom we feel some kind of that jealousy over anything, whatever it might be. Whether it is of something of a material nature, some quality that Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with, Sometimes, Allah forbid, shaitan will whisper some jealousy over somebody else's progress in deen, which is one of the worst kind of jealousy. That instead of being happy about, mashallah, somebody is progressing in deen, and to take an inspiration and emulate that, a person is, and the reality of jealousy as we discussed, is to now desire that that be removed, that be taken away. So what are we desiring? That Nauzubillah, deen be taken away from somebody. Rasulullah came to give deen to everyone. And do you want to take deen away from someone? So whether it is of some material issue, whether it is something on a personal level, whether it's Allah forbid some jealousy against a person's deeny progress, person is progressing in the knowledge of deen, somebody is progressing in the amal of deen. So whatever it might be, to take the person's name and make dua for him in that particular aspect. Allah Ta'ala grant him even more. He's feeling jealous over somebody's wealth. Make dua, Allah Ta'ala give him even more barakat. Allah Ta'ala open the doors of abundant halal tayyib risk on him. He's feeling some kind of jealousy towards somebody's uh, abilities, somebody's intelligence maybe, whatever. Make dua, Allah Ta'ala increase that. Now, Jealousy is something where there's a desire, whether it is very, very conscious or whether it is in the, in the subtle form, but the desire to remove that. Now he's making sincere dua in his own time and space, quietly, nobody knows what dua he's making. But Allah Ta'ala increases his ni'mad, 
Now, these are two opposites. Day and night can't be at the same time. He can't be wishing that this goes away and also be wishing it doubles up. So now when he will sincerely be making dua, it increases. This feeling of it diminishing or decreasing or being taken away, this will get cleaned out. But this is not just one, by the way, dua, one time he just made it for the sake of now ticking one box. Now done. No, this is from deep down from the heart, repeatedly until one finds that this has now scraped out this feeling of jealousy. Then together with that, always be the first to make salam to the person one feels some kind of jealousy against. Always be the one to make salam first. Initiate the salam. The third thing is give some small hadiyah once in a while. Tahadaw, tahabbu. The intention of hadiyah is purely to create muhabbat. A person doesn't feel jealous over somebody who he is feeling some kind of muhabbat towards, he feels very uh, friendly with somebody. He'll feel some jealousy towards somebody who's got some negativity towards. So with this little bit of hadiyah, this will clear the heart as well. And then, in the person's absence, in the person's absence, occasionally to praise him, talk some good about him. Because jealousy now demands everything negative, that this person somehow must fall. Now when you're praising him, you're raising him. But you're going to do this in his absence. In his absence, once in a while, praising him, some good about him. All this, this, these are things to be done to clean out this from the heart. And this is something extremely important that the heart be kept clean from this malady. So this was the other aspect. One was the badgumani and the harboring the ill thoughts and suspicions. The other was the aspect of jealousy, which we have to be pay very careful attention to and keep checking and rechecking that we are not getting trapped in this trap of shaitan. To continue with the incident of Sayyidina Yusuf Wasalam. As mentioned, he had seen this dream and he mentioned it to his father. His father cautioned him, don't mention it to your brothers. The brothers somehow got to know of this dream also. This further incited this jealousy. So now they decided they, we have to now take action and we have to get him out of the picture. So what they decided, they decided let's take him away one day and we'll go and kill him. So very, very simple in terms of just one statement in one line, take him away and kill him. End of the story. But this is, what a major crime, such a serious sin. But now again this is that lesson, that where this stemmed from, it stemmed from this hasad. Now they are ready to commit murder. So in any case, they are now plotting this. There's many details mentioned in the ayat of the Quran Sharif. They came to their father also and they told him, look, why are you keeping Yusuf with you all the time here close by? We go out to do all whatever our errands are. So send him along and he can also play, he can also run around, he can also enjoy the outdoors a little bit. So the father even commented that I am fearing that the wolves might eat him up. Now one is that they were wolves in the jungles, that wasn't something uncommon. But according to some narrations, Hadith Yaqub had seen a dream. He had seen a dream that ten wolves had surrounded Yusuf and they tried to attack him and then he suddenly disappeared into the earth. 
So this was exactly what happened. Those ten brothers turned out to be the ten wolves. And then they finally threw him into the well that turned out to be what he disappeared into the ground. So Yaqub had this also in his mind that these people are up to something, they're plotting and planning something. They want to harm him in some way. So he merely said it in this way. But they tried to convince him and said, look, that we are a strong group. We are such a strong group of ten young strong people and despite this whole strong group being there to protect him, if that wolf still managed to get past us and devour him, then we are really useless. Meaning we are not so useless, we can stand for our ground. So somehow they convinced Yaqub and they took him along. But once they were out of sight from Yaqub that's when whoever was carrying him on his shoulder, he threw him down to the ground. And now all started hurting him in some way or the other. And this was now being plotted and planned. Some now, generally everybody got to consensus that we should finish him off, kill him. One brother who was the eldest brother, who was now the half-brother Yusuf Salam, Yehuda was his name. He said to them that, look, this is a major problem, this is a major crime. How can you kill an innocent child? So you shouldn't do this. And what the best thing is, rather, we just go back and take him and give him back to his father. The other brother said, it seems that now you also are trying to enhance your position and status with our father. That, look, you saved him and brought him back, so you'll also become a favorite. It seems you also want to do this, we'll kill you also now. So when he realized that this is going to be something that they are not going to desist from, they are already intent on doing this, they are have resolved to come with this. So he said, look, your objective is to get him out of the picture. You want him to be out of the way. So you want him to be out of the way. Why come with this crime of murder? There are some unused wells around here. So take him and throw him into one of those wells. And perhaps some caravan will pass by. They'll come to look for water. They'll pull out that bucket and he, they'll take him away. So he'll be gone far away because they'll catch, capture him. So your objective is that he mustn't be around. So you want to be having the attention of your father exclusively. So that will be achieved. So somehow that he convinced them that look rather just do this. Why get guilty of the crime of murder when you can get your job done without committing murder. But now this is again the lesson. Right at the end of Surah Yusuf we mentioned that that one line, that one ayat of the Quran Sharif which summarizes the whole, the moral of Surah Yusuf. The whole lesson of Surah Yusuf. That one ayat which summarizes what this whole incident teaches us. إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ The one who adopts taqwa and has sabr. Then Allah Ta'ala will protect him. Allah Ta'ala will guide him. Allah Ta'ala doesn't allow the rewards of those who do good to go in vain. Now when all these brothers had now been totally they had resolved, they were 100% <coughs> firmly intent on committing this murder. Now out of them Allah Ta'ala created the protection. Allah Ta'ala put it in the heart of this one brother that look, we shouldn't do this. Otherwise he too also wanted initially the same thing that this was the out of the picture. But where the compassion came in his heart from? Allah Ta'ala put it in his heart. Allah Ta'ala is the control of the hearts. 
the person who will keep turning to Allah Ta'ala alone, then even in the most difficult circumstances, and where everything seems like there is no way out of this, it seems like this is a lost case. It seems like there cannot be any solution from here. Yes, dunya is a place of test. So therefore, these are the two requirements. Taqwa and sabr. If dunya wasn't a place of test, then there wouldn't have been any need for sabr also. There would have been everything instant. But it didn't happen instantly. There is first a test. And a person is patient in the test. The certificate and the reward doesn't come before a person writes the exams. Studies so hard and then he burns the midnight oil and then after that he has to sit and write so many papers and that too is such long papers and he, by the time he finishes off his mind is spinning so much he had to apply his mind and there was so much of study before that the whole year of hard work but now that he's written that exam and he's passed it now comes the reward now comes that certificate and now comes all the good things but now at the beginning of the year he's saying well I already started studying now so bring the reward Bring the certificate. You still only started. You've got to get to the end, end line. You've got to finish the test. So therefore, taqwa and sabr. The person who will adopt that sabr, now he's passed through that. He's shown his loyalty. He is given the evidence that he is not loyal to his nafs. He is not loyal to his desires. He's loyal to Allah Ta'ala's command. And therefore, he made the sabr. So when the person will make that sabr, Allah Ta'ala will create the means. The control of means and the creator of means, Allah Ta'ala. So among those very brothers who are now have decided to kill him, Allah Ta'ala created this person to come out of that and to bring about this suggestion and to convince them also that look, let's just do this, let's throw him into the well and in this way we will get done. So first what they did now, they had to go back home and they had to go and give a story as well. Because if they're going to get rid of him, they have to come back and say why he's not here, how come he didn't come back. So in order to do that, what they did was that they took his kurta off and then they caught one, one sheep or something and slaughtered it and they took its blood and they covered it all over that kurta of his, Yusuf Ali Salatu Salam. On the one hand, they went and threw him into this well and now they came home. They came home with this kurta all covered in blood and how did they come? The Quran Sharif speaks about how they returned home. That Wajau Abahum Isha Yabkun. That they came back home in the evening crying. Now these tears, these tears sometimes can be very deceiving. Sometimes they can be very sincere, and sometimes they can be very deceiving. Now this is what the the, you can call it what the brothers of Yusuf they have proved this that they committed the crime they did the damage and in order to convince that they are innocent they came back crying so their tears were, were just a camouflage that if we are crying that we can't be guilty we wouldn't have been so grieved otherwise but that was all just a pretense so in any case The, they came back crying and now they came back crying and giving a very very sad story that now we were all running ahead the next thing Yusuf was left behind and then this wolf came and he just pounced on him before we knew what happened 
all over. And there's, there's evidence. There's his kurta full of blood. Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam was the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. The Abiyali salatu wasalam have the highest level of intelligence. But what these people did, any average person too might have seen through it, let alone a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. So Yaqub salatu wasalam saw it and he immediately said to himself or he said to them that mashallah this was a very intelligent wolf. It devoured my son, tore him, but he didn't tear his kurta in any way. It probably was a very intelligent wolf. It first took the kurta out so it doesn't damage the kurta in any way so that it can come back safe and sound. So it took so much care of the kurta, but it killed my son. So it was obvious that this is all just a tale that they are making up. It's a lie. But he saw it and therefore he said it to them. قَالَ بَلْ سَوَّلَتْ لَكُمْ أَنفُسُكُمْ أَمْرًا بَلْ سَوَّلَتْ لَكُمْ أَنفُسُكُمْ أَمْرًا The crux of this is, you just fabricated all this. This is what you are just making up from your side. فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ But now what do I do? Where do I go? Where do I start off from? So since there is nothing that I can do practically now, because where do I start from? This is your story. There is no way that I can do anything in terms of where do I start off looking for so for sabrun jameel, wallahu al-musta'anu ala ma tasifun. That same sabr. I will adopt sabr. And I will turn to Allah Ta'ala. Wallahu al-musta'an. So again the same thing. He turned to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala brought that situation where Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam then saw that day. That Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, he was united with him. But when it happened, according to some Mufassirin, after 40 years, So 40 years of sabr he made. After 40 years, that fruit of that sabr, he tasted. But now we make some sabr in the sense that, somebody, or whatever the situation is, for about two and a half minutes we made sabr. Before that third minute is over, we want to see the result of it. So sabr, yes, we should keep asking for afiyat. But a person has to be patient. He has to be patient. Sometimes something is just not working out. Sometimes something is just going, he's trying to do it one way, it's always going the opposite way. Sometimes there's some other challenge. Sometimes there's some sickness. Sometimes there's some domestic situation. Sometimes it is a financial issue. Sometimes it is something that's causing him some kind of worry and grief and concern or whatever. So all kinds of things happen in dunya. Dunya is dunya after all. Dunya is not Jannat. Jannat is what we have to earn in dunya. And in order to earn that Jannat in dunya, we have to make the sabr in dunya. On all these situations. The sabr that is required is, it doesn't mean a person won't feel anything. That's a misconception that sabr means a person mustn't feel anything. He'll feel something. He's insan. He'll feel grief. He'll feel pain. He'll feel emotions. He'll feel hurt. He's insan after all. But the sabr is, that in all those emotions, for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, He controls that situation. He doesn't say anything or do anything that will displease Allah Ta'ala. He doesn't step out of line. He controls those emotions. If that grief has come to a point that He will shed tears, He'll shed tears too. If that situation has come to a point where He needs somebody's help to help Him out, He'll ask for that help. After having turned to Allah Ta'ala, He'll adopt the means. 
but he will keep control of his emotions and he will have hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. That it will happen. Yaqub said, Fasabrun Jameel, he adopted the sabr. The fruit of the sabr came after when? After 40 years. Fasabrun Jameel, Wallahu Musta'anu Ala Matasifun. So on this side, these brothers now came, they gave the sad story of theirs, but Yaqub saw through it and he realized that something they have done that is not in order here and therefore he resigned himself to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala that Allah ta'ala will bring about the situation of ease. Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq of adopting these lessons in our life. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.